Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. My name is Christina Kerr, I'm the content manager at Spotlight, and today I'm joined by actress and founder of Performance Link, Sarah Thurston. Sarah has worked stages and screens for many years, but she has run her own company, Performance Link Limited, since the year 2000, who specialise in taking theatre skills, especially presentation and leadership communication, into business, academia and the arts. We'll be talking all about transferable skills today and how actors can use the things that they've learned on the job and use them in new and different ways to supplement your acting income. Take a listen. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the Spotlight Podcast. Pleasure. I want to start by asking you about acting because you trained as an actress and I kind of want to know what was it that drew you to acting in the first place? Yes, I always wanted to be an actor from the age of about 11 and mainly because I wasn't very good at school. But the only thing I was good at, and this is the usual story, is theatre or drama. And I won awards at school, believe it or not, for playing male characters and things mm. like Chekhov's Cherry Orchard playing Gaev. Because I'm very tall, I was always cast as the male. So, yes, so from a young age, and I was quite good at it, and my voice uh, helped me. Uh, and I loved it, just loved it. And that's what I always wanted to do. That's where the passion came from. Yeah, absolute passion. You then trained. Yes, and at Webber Douglas. Yes, at Webber Douglas. Yeah, sadly is now uh, closed, but it's amalgamated with Central. Right. And I've actually been back with some of my alumni mm-hmm. in August to see the Webber Douglas studio, which they have there now. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I wanted to kind of ask you because... Uh, you obviously have worked for quite some time in the industry now yeah. and um, you turned from acting to creating and working with other performers to create Performance Link. Yes. How did that all come about and why exactly did that come about? So we were a group of actors and we had a cooperative acting agency in Lancaster, mm-hmm. in the north, called Target Casting. Uh, and there was about, well, 20, 30 of us, a lot of them Manchester actors, but a lot of Southerners as well, who had actually migrated to Lancaster to work at the Duke's Theatre there, right. which is a rep theatre, and also to work, there was a women's theatre company at one time. So three of the women in it were from the women's theatre company, all jobbing actors who decided we wanted to, you know, to run our own careers in a way. And it was a very successful co-op. But about five years into it, I think we all decided we need to find we needed to find another way to earn money, because right. as you know, theatre is not a great earner, and you're not doing it fifty two weeks a year, or TV. So, one of our um, the people in the agency, Steve Tomlin, who happened to win Mastermind. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was the first actor to win Mastermind, had become friendly with the producer of Mastermind, whose husband was doing in-house training at the BBC. And he needed a group of actors to go in and role-play producers for the design department because all the designers under John Burt at that time were actually being made redundant Wow, okay. And what they had to do was interview for each job rather than being on permanent contract. So these people who won BAFTA, some of them, for things like House of Elliot, and, you know, they were costume designers, makeup, uh, set, and special effects. And a lot of them had won lots of awards, but they'd never interviewed before because they'd just done it, 
you know, worked at the BBC forever. So we went in there and we had written um, a film as such or done the treatment for a film. And we all did films that we knew something about. And because I, su I studied Russian at university and love Russian literature, uh, I, I actually wrote a film about Sonia Tolstoy, Tolstoy's <laughs> wife. Right. So then they had to come in and interview for the special effects or the makeup or the set on this film I was going to make about Sonia. Do right. you see what I mean? Yes. And there was an observer in the room and it was filmed. Mm. And that's how we started. We did a lot of those. And then that grew. Then we started doing workshops at universities mm -hmm. just for, for academics to loosen up and speak to the students and engage and make eye contact. And from there, I kind of took off in the corporate world in the late 90s, working at companies, blue chip companies like KPMG, Clifford Chance, Peter, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper, in, and just um, doing, how can I say, uh, confidence building, um, presentation skills, public speaking, that kind so of those thing. are all the kind of skills that you teach as part of Performance Link. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to me because um, I should mention that this podcast obviously comes off the back of you having held a session with us at yeah. Spotlight, which was all about transferable skills yes. and teaching actors that actually you've got those skills. You may not realize, but when you're trained or even if you're not trained, but you work as an actor, those are the yeah. kinds of things that you build on. And they're not necessarily present in a corporate environment. No one teaches you necessarily how to present or no. if they did, who's better to teach you than an actor? Right. Um, is that kind of where you decided that should sort of come from? Is it really from the drama training? Or yes. was it really um, something that you developed according to your audience, according to which sort of corporate people you went and spoke to? Ah. Did it vary according to sort of academics? Question. or? Yes, it varies hugely. But actors are flexible. That's, mm -hmm. their good, that's their great plus. You know, we have to go into different environments all the time, whether it's film, TV, radio, theatre. Every environment, every project, every piece, show is different. So actors are very good about, at that. And in fact, I use actors all the time to assist me on these courses. So yes, I use my acting skills in the sense that all the things to do with relaxation, voice, vocal projection, uh, feeling good about yourself, posture, Alexander technique, I use all those with the corporates and they've never come across it before on the whole. They've never thought about how to stand properly and feel good about themselves and look good. They don't often think enough about the audience, which we as actors have to do. You know, if you give audience, if you give an audience too much information, they can't assimilate it, can they? So they always, you know, all their presentations are over complex and dense. Whereas we as actors know that the audience has got to feel it and pick it up and react and engage with it personally. Uh, so, I, so I use that as well as the technical things like, you know, um, I give them voice exercises, which they're, they, you know, they don't, none of them have ever come across that before. Right. So if somebody within the corporate sector is doing what I do, so in other words, they're doing presentation skills and they've got an in-house person they will just stand at the front and tell them what they need to say and give them structure. Mm -hmm. It won't be experiential. 
which is what I right. do. Everybody gets up, tries it out, tells a little story, um, stands on their feet, gets filmed, gets reviewed. But also I prepare them for that so they're not absolutely terrified. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, they are terrified. And as Jerry Seinfeld said, there are two things that people hate most in life. The first is death and the second is public speaking. And most people would rather be dead than give a presentation. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it is true. And even the very senior people always say, I just need something to help me with my stage fright, with my nerves, uh, give myself confidence. And a lot of that's physical. And then there's some of it that's mind over matter about reframing things and, uh, you know, being excited rather than nervous. Right. But the, the things that actors, you know, all feel... If you go, I said, if you go to the backstage of a theatre, most actors will be doing vocal warm-ups before they go on. Of course, yeah. Not necessarily going through their lines. <laughs> you know, they'll be actually preparing their voice and their body and cleaning their minds so that they're fresh to go on stage. That's such a good point, because I do yeah. think that when I've seen people give presentations in a more corporate setting before, it is very much about, oh, here are my notes got to remember my notes but maybe not thinking about the voice or the stance or that sort of thing you know a lot of these skills have to do with communication ultimately they boil down to good communication how did you start to sort of break down what good communication looks like in order to teach it so first of all I I am a trained teacher I I was a TEFL teacher teacher of English the foreign language so you get a very good idea I did that for the British Council after I went to university before Mm -hmm. I trained as an actor Mm -hmm. So you get a very good idea as a, as a teacher what's good communication when people pick up what you've taught them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that is eye contact, feeling, engaging the room. Uh, a lot of those skills that actors use, poor teachers don't do that. And poor presenters don't either. They just have their piece of paper, as you so rightly said, and they don't engage with the audience. So things like eye contact... And, and actually taking it slowly, pausing so people can digest what you've said, looking into the eyes, that's what is good communication. And on the whole, most actors understand that. I've just taken it one step further by watching presentation and seeing when it's good and when it isn't good. Right. And some of it, you know, is intuition because actors are intuitive as well. And I love working with people. And I think if you really love working with people and you're curious and interested in them, you will really encourage them to, to be at their best and to deliver who they are, the authentic person that they are, and not some pretend person reading off a script like they did at school or something. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned the sort of experiential quality of how you teach. Is that kind of the way in that you think is best? Because that does obviously come from drama school, as opposed to, I don't know, reading an article that says good communication is eye contact. How do you actually physically teach that to somebody? Interesting. So, yes, must be experiential. Mm -hmm. If you say it's it's trial and error. So you ask somebody just to tell a simple story, shall we say. So that's part of the storytelling idea that I have as well and as they tell their story you see how the, the recipients the other delegates in the room are receiving it so are they using eye contact have they got their chair in a particular place so that they can see everybody 
easily? Are they using amanar too much? Are they pausing at relevant points? Are they making gestures or are they very still? Yeah, are they are they engaging everybody? So we just get feedback. So you do it through feedback. So you get to say, so did you get the eye contact? Uh, were they relating to you? Could you understand what they said? Were they clear? Did they speak too quickly? Yeah, just those are the basic questions. Obviously, you get to get more sophisticated than that with texture. But just just those basic things, sometimes people forget. They look at the carpet. They look at the ceiling. Right. They look at their notes. They mumble. They speak too quickly because they get nervous. And so with the trial and the feedback, that's how they learn. So that's why it has to be experiential. Absolutely. And you mentioned actually putting people on film as well and yeah. showing them themselves. Yes. That's yeah. something that I think most non-actors really wouldn't encounter no. day to day. <laughs> that must be quite confronting for them. It is. So uh, again, so you have to, it's a really good question, Christina, because you have to um, calm them right. before you start filming them. So my method is that um, I never film them until later in the day. You don't allow them to walk in and say, I'm going to film you. And you hide the camera because when they see the camera, they get all jittery. So you, you start off by doing breathing exercises, warm-ups, voice exercises, having some fun, a few drama things maybe, um, asking them questions, allowing them to talk in the group openly. Then maybe they tell a little story. This is all not on film. Right. And then you do the filming later when they've got more used to the environment and you have to create a risk-free environment in the room and build trust. So trust is a really, really important part of it. And I think, I hope that's one of my strengths is that I, people feel, feel that they're in a trustworthy environment and that they are allowed to disclose and open themselves because it's quite scary to expose yourself like that. Absolutely. Uh, and so I make sure that when they do expose themselves, it's okay and they're not actually letting themselves down or failing. You know, it's all fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that um, I think a lot of our actors come in and their concerns are often that um, because acting is such an unstable yes. career, it's, yeah. as you said before, you're not going to be on stage 52 weeks in the year necessarily. No. There's no guarantee of that. Um, a lot of people struggle with the idea of kind of using their skills in a businessy way because acting is artistic and, you know, that sort of there's that kind of contrast that's often mentioned. Yeah. Um, what would you say to that in terms of treating your skills as a kind of businessy, having business qualities, I suppose? Again, good question. Now, you can transfer your theatre skills into non-business as well. I, I do careers advice in schools. Right. So I sometimes encourage them. It's great to do a, a theatre degree or a performing arts degree or go to drama school if you can get in. And how can you use it afterwards? You can be a speech therapist. You can be a psychotherapist. Mm. You can be a drama teacher. You know, there's lots of other ways that you can use your qualification. Mm -hmm. But if you want to remain an actor, a practitioner, as they say, in, right. in, they call you a practitioner, and work in the corporate world or the academic world, um, 
you can choose. If you don't like the idea of corporate, mm. now I'm I probably I'm quite lucky that the corporates kind of accept me because I'm got a loud voice and I'm tall and a little bit domineering. They kind of think, oh, yes, she's got gravitas or whatever. <laughs> so if you feel that's not for you, there's so many other ways. You can run uh, workshops in your local art centre, which is how I started. I used to do drama for adults. I did drama for kids. Then I ran a BTEC in performing arts and built a little studio in a small town in Cumbria, Kendall. So there are lots of other ways. And they employed me at Kendall College because I was a practitioner. And that's what's happened these days, is that they want practitioners. So you can go and, shall we say, direct even in drama schools, you know, if you when you get on in your career. A couple of my acting friends do that now. They te teach a bit, but they still work as actors. Right. So the workshops in the university for academics, because academics don't realise that they're too complex and that the students can't understand. Mm. So some of those workshops are much simpler, like speaking more slowly, um, keeping your ideas clear and simple, a um, few drama games. So maybe they, people who don't want to go into the corporate world are happier working in tertiary education, you know, right. with academics or with people who teach students. Yeah, teachers. Yeah. Yeah, it can go many ways. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you can always do, I know other people who are voice coaches now. So there are lots of ways that you can transfer your skills. Absolutely. That's I think that's say. definitely um, one of the things that comes up, particularly um, with our younger performers who are considering whether or not it's worth going to drama school. Because ah. um, I do think that that's something that isn't necessarily said, is that you can still use these skills in lots and lots of different ways. Yes. Which I think was so valuable in your session that you held well just to, 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 to add to that I would say that anybody who's done a theatre or a drama degree perhaps rather than going to theatre school but maybe theatre school as well mm -hmm. say you've done a degree at, uh, at Bristol or Manchester uh, or Queen Margaret's whatever um, uh, you've actually I would employ you in advertising Right. For example, so I know some people who work in advertising they, and they like to employ people who've done a degree like that. Why? Because they're confident, usually. They're good communicators. They're good at talking to clients. Yeah. They're good at, um, you know, being flexible, turning on a sixpence. Mm. So some of the skills that you use as an actor are very useful across the board. Journalism. Journalism and and me, any kind of media. Um, I've worked for the audience agency, which is about actually helping both theatres, museums, galleries to get sort of grants and to um, to how can I say to flourish. Right now, a lot of the, those are trained as actors, of course, but they're yeah. actually working um, in an admin job. Right. See what I mean? So yes, absolutely. You can. I think it's always a useful qualification if you if you don't want to if you can't think what else to to do. You know, I think it's <laughs> yeah. a great qualification. I feel like I'm in one of your careers advice sessions yeah. just now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the kind of thing that you might say yes. to someone interested. Um, I want to ask you then. You know, I think a big part of um, thinking about yourself in a more sort of business way, if yeah. you are an actor, is. Yes. Um, it obviously has some benefits in terms of navigating the downtimes when you're not working. So 
just from a kind of confidence and mental health sort of perspective, do you mm. have any sort of comment on that in terms of keeping yourself busy and yeah. the value of that? Yes. Um, I mean, my performance link uh, earns me good money, really mm. good money. And, um, and I'm able to command quite high prices now because I've been doing it for so long. And I feel very at home with it. Now, if I didn't have that, I've been a single mother, for example. If I hadn't had that, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, there was about 10 years when I kind of earned okay doing TV, but it still wasn't great, and that was in the 90s. And what it really does is, so every time I do a TV or a, or a film, it actually adds to my corporate work. Right. Yeah, because they love it. They love to see you on TV, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. They really like it, A. And B, it, one feeds the ap- other. So my corporate work, which makes me feel confident, actually feeds my confidence for my acting. So I told you on Tuesday I had to do a self-tape, yes. turn it around in one day to play a, an, an American sitcom comedy hard-bitten woman. Right. Now... I did it in quite a short period of time at the end of the day when I'd finished with my corporate clients. But I don't think I would have had the confidence to do that had I not been doing this corporate work. So one lends itself to the other. uh, And you learn a lot from both. Yes, absolutely. And I would hate to have to give up my acting, but you have to be very clever about balancing both. So I always tell my agent when I've got... Um, when I've got corporate absolutely locked in days. Some days don't need to be so locked in because it's one-to-one. Right. But say I'm working at at the university and I've got all the MBAs, the Masters of Business Administration, that's locked in. Right. Or if I'm doing a particular course with with senior management and they've, they've blocked out two days to work with me. Do you see what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So then I tell my agent. So, so that, that relationship is quite key with the with the agent absolutely. in terms of navigating that balance. And you must be. And, and you know, initially I wasn't very good at it. And um, and then I'd have an audition on a day I was locked in. And obviously she was not happy. Of course. So I've now been very careful about telling her. And you have to navigate both. And sometimes it means that I've done a corporate day and I finish at seven o'clock, and then I have to catch a train to Glasgow or something. Right. You know, because I've got an audition or filming or something the next day. So you, you've got to keep your energy up as well, and be always be on your phone. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. you've got to be on top of it. Right. Of course. Especially as I run the business on my own, I've got. I do have actress. Um, uh, assistants who who work with me on the course, but they're just sort of one off, right? Uh, and I have a bookkeeper who isn't an actress. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have one that was when I was um, living in London, um, and I have a PA who comes maybe once a week, right? So you've got a small team, but it's mostly yeah. you keeping on top me. of things, yeah, right? Yeah. So we've kind of mentioned so far the relationship with the agent and being very organised and diligent yep. with your responses to things. Yes. What about marketing yourself? That seems to be a kind of quite a difficult quality, even for actors who obviously are, you know, going into audition rooms and sort of trying to sell themselves. But when it comes to marketing themselves outside of that setting, definitely, I think, struggle. What would you say to that? So It's a difficult one because I've never done cold calling. Right. 
I've never, I'm always uh, used on referral. And I think you need a, a clear website, a good website, so people can look at you and just, and it's easy to navigate. I've got a Squarespace one now, which has got a template. I used to have a very complicated one, which cost me huge amounts of money. And now I've got this Squarespace one. And it's just simple. Yes. With quite a few photographs of me and me working. Right. Know. I think that's the first thing. You probably should join LinkedIn. Yeah. I don't do Facebook for various reasons because uh, you get too much dross. <laughs> um, yes, you, you do. Know, you do. <laughs> and I already get probably 40 uh, emails per day that are just rubbish. Right. That I have to get rid of because of my, because I'm a company performance link. Um, what else? A good website. I have very nice cards. If you ever go to events, just give out your cards always talk to people about what you do and um so if you go to any events you can you know chat people up say it's what you do be quite confident about saying i'm very happy to come and do a workshop for you yeah cold calling would be good if you if you can do it but i've never done it because it's not my thing yeah it's a bit tough it's too tough and also, there are hundreds of people out there doing what I do. I'm going to right. warn you about that. Yes. And lots, some of them are actors, and some of them are non-actors. So shall we say a company like Heathrow, you know, the airport people, they have in-house people who do what I do. Right. Yeah. Even though I worked for them as an external provider for some time, it's cheaper to use an internal provider. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't say, I don't think they're as good as me, but there we are. <laughs> but there we are, yeah. If they're a sizable company, they may have yes. an internal. And they so all have, yeah. Kind of good networking then isn't just about the impression that you make in person and the confidence, but potentially also about doing your research initially, um, as well as getting that online presence and the card and all those other sort of yeah. details. Good to do your research. You're right, Christina. So find out about the company. Um, and before you have the phone call, make sure you've looked at their website and who they are, you know, because a law company is going to be very different from a, a trending company or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. Do your research. And when you go and meet them, listen. <laughs> yes. Listen. Have your and ears listen on. <laughs> again. Let them talk more than you. Right. Don't be all eager to tell them how marvelous you are. Just listen and smile and nod and ask good questions, just like you're doing now. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> well, I think we've covered a lot of the sort of ways that those skills can come in handy. I kind of want to finish up by asking you, as you mentioned, you did a self-tape just this week. Yeah. So you're still very much working, you know, with acting. I think the glorious thing is that you can do it regardless of age or circumstance. There's so many ways you can do acting. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to ask you then, just to wrap up, if you could tell your younger self one thing about the industry that you've learned in these years of doing both of those things, yeah. you know, having your company and working as an actress, what would you tell yourself? Well, firstly, I wish that I had been more confident when I was younger. Right. Because I, I had a few opportunities when I left drama school, good opportunities like BBC Play for Today and things. And I wasn't quite confident enough. And I was quite good looking. So I, I could have used that. 
I wish I'd been more confident, but um, I wasn't. So I wish I could tell myself that now. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, sometimes you have to be a little bit ruthless. Right. Uh, I've always, I'm actually quite a kind person, even though I sound like an ogre. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> well, a lot of people find me a bit scary. Right. And I get tend to get scary sort of roles. Uh, I've often played judges and magistrates on TV. Oh, I see, yes. And um, But I wish I had been perhaps sometimes a little bit more ruthless in getting auditions and getting myself out to the front there and pushing myself forward yeah and if you can do that easily then it, that's great that's what i would tell myself probably also working harder to get to know casting directors and directors i thought i worked hard but when i think about it now it wasn't wasn't enough right go to theaters meet the directors just say hello yeah. Networking. <laughs> yeah, networking. More networking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. you so much, Sarah. That's amazing advice. Thank you very much, Christina. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Spotlight Podcast. That's all for now from the home of casting. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer in an upcoming episode of the podcast, you can drop us an email at questions at spotlight.com or hit us up on Twitter at Spotlight UK. 